0: Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message.
1: The title of my message today is Just Say No. Just Say No plus a few things Nancy Reagan never told you. That's the subtitle after the title. How many of you are old enough to even know what that means, okay? A few of you, and then some youngsters. You got Google. Uh, You can find out who Nancy Reagan is. Um, But uh, just say no. Um, You know, there's this movie that uh, I remember watching probably before I should have been watching it, because I think it was rated R. Uh, It was this movie called Falling Down with Michael Douglas. I don't know if anybody's ever seen this movie. But essentially... I watched this movie probably when I was like 16 years old, and uh, it was like on TNT. And then, of course, I don't know if you've ever done this where you watched a movie when you were a kid on TV, and then you, like, you saw it later, and you were like, oh, they took a lot of things out of that movie uh, when you tried to show it to your own children, and then you immediately regretted it. And, but this is a movie that I remember just being like, taken in by, because essentially, if you've never seen it, it is about this guy who is like the most average of average guys, and he's sort of floating through life, and he it feels really all this pressure to sort of be and do what everybody else wants him to be and do. He's always saying yes to everybody else's wants and needs and desires, and you could tell that there is this frustration deep down because he doesn't have the ability to say No. And one day it just sort of bubbles up, and he can't take it anymore, and he snaps. And this is why I thought the movie was fun when I was sixteen, because he then decides and grabs hold of the power to say no a lot with semi-automatic weapons. And he, there's, there's one scene actually where he goes into this uh, restaurant. And it's like a, it's called Whammy Burger. It's like a rip-off McDonald's place because they couldn't get the rights probably. And so he's in there and he's like, I'd like to order breakfast and they're like, we stopped serving breakfast five minutes ago. And he's like, oh, I could just really love breakfast. And they're like, we're not serving. He's like, I can s- literally see it right there. It's, you haven't thrown it away yet. And then he, the guy gets it and throws it away in front of him. And he's just so frustrated. He's like, you can order something from the lunch menu. And then he pulls out a tech nine and, uh, and is like, I would like breakfast. And they become very motivated to <laughs> give him the breakfast. And then once he gets it, he's like, you know what? I changed my mind. I want some lunch. And so he gets the lunch after all. And he's just waving his gun around. And the whole movie is just this guy who has come unhinged because he has never, ever seized control of his own life. And he's pushed that down, like all the no's he should have said down, so deep that one day they all come exploding forward in insane fashion, and it does not end well for him, okay? I'm not necessarily suggesting you go out and watch this movie. Um, I'm, not necessarily sugge- I'm definitely not suggesting that you get some semi-automatic weapons <laughs> and declare your no. But I think here's the thing. If we are not taught how to actually take control of our story we have this sort of seething anger that builds inside of us and often leads us to doing things that we would never imagine we would do. And often these things don't benefit our lives. And I wonder if you've ever seen a movie, maybe this one, maybe a different one, where someone stuck up for themselves, they, they pushed back, they said no, they set a boundary, they walked away from some really unhealthy situation, they quit their job, they, they did anything really to take back their life. And as you were watching, you were just like, that is awesome, I wish I could do that. I probably won't, but like I, that would be so amazing. But the question is, Should you? Are there things that you really need to say no to that you have not said no to? Because you've been there, right? You have said yes when you wanted to say no. Like, in fact, your brain was like, say no, say no, say no. And your mouth was like, yes. And you were like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, you're frustrated that it's even coming out of your mouth. You went to things that you didn't want to be at. You took on projects you had no business doing. And you felt the tension of what you knew was right for you. And maybe what somebody else from the outside was pressuring you into. And I think a lot of us, when we come to the beginning of the year, we, we, we settle these goals for ourselves. And hopefully, you're setting some of these goals with God. But we don't always get to realize those goals in our life. And why is that? Why is it that we don't have the follow-through that we'd hoped for in the things we want out of life? And I think... Part of the issue is that, that saying yes to what's most important means saying no to a lot of what's not. And most of us are not very good at saying no. You know who is toddlers. They're amazing. Everything is no to a toddler. Do you want to no? Do you want no? Like I love you. No. Right? Even the good things. You want some crackers? No! And then they take them from you. You're like, I'm mixed messages. I don't know what's happening right now. And some of us, we have a lot of toddler energy, right? Um, we're, we're not necessarily immature, but like it's not hard for us to say no. In fact, some of us would be better off trying to make this the year of yes. But a disproportionate number of us really do have a hard time saying no, because no has consequences. And we get in our head about that. Like, what if when I say no, what if, they, what if they take it personally? What if they get upset? What if somebody cries? I can't deal with that. What if, some, what if they just start yelling? I don't want to be yelled at. What if they act like they're cool with it and I think we're okay, but then I find out two years later they've hated me this whole time because of that one no that I said. What if I, what if I make the wrong choice and I end up missing out on something awesome? What if I never get the opportunity to do something amazing like this again because I said no the first time they asked me and they never come back to me? What if that happens? For some of us, just the thought of saying no makes us feel sick to our stomach. The nervousness and the guilt of it overwhelm us. But these feelings, they cloud our clarity because Once you realize that something isn't right for you, you can either say no and regret the conversation for a few minutes, or you can say yes and regret the commitment for days, weeks, months, or even years. And some of you are in the midst of that right now because you said yes when you knew the answer was no. And now you are so frustrated because you feel stuck. I wonder if you've ever felt stuck doing something that you didn't want to do in the first place, and you can feel yourself getting more resentful and bitter and angry as time goes on at the person who asked you or the person who's holding you accountable to the thing that you said yes to, even though technically you were the one who said yes when you knew in your own gut that you should have said no, and they took your commitment at face value and actually felt like you were telling the truth because they take you as an honest person like you're still angry with them. And it should be okay to hate them because even though you cheerfully said yes, they should have known instinctively that in your heart you wanted to say no and they should let you off the hook. Got real quiet in here because everyone's like, oh my gosh, he knows my secret shame I do this all the time. And so many of us do. We hate the thought of disappointing someone we really respect or even just may ever see again in our lives. Anybody know anybody who's like only good at saying no on vacation? They're like real forceful on vacation, but not in real life. They're like, who cares? I will never see these people again. Rico, Rico. These pillows are unacceptable, okay? I wanted the towels to be folded into a swan. That looks like a donkey. That's not even close. And you're like, wow, you can push back. You should probably confront your mom. And they're like, no, I can't do that. She's going to live for at least another 12 years. Or maybe longer. Evil never dies. Uh, I can never. Not, your, not my mom. My mom's awesome. I'm just being real about some of your inner monologues. <laughs> and here's, here's the reality. If the yes that you think is required for others to like you results in you not liking you, you're better to go with a no. Yes. And some of you are like, oh, I love that statement. I'm, I'm not probably not going to do it. But like, I yes, I love that. And it's not that you don't want to do what's best for you. It's that, like, you know, as soon as you decide that you're going to do what you know, you're supposed to, and you say no to the things that are in the way, that it's not always going to go smooth. That you're going to discover that it's not as easy as you thought. That you're going to discover that not everybody else in your life is as excited about your newfound clarity as you are. And it doesn't even all happen at once. I think in reality, opposition often escalates in stages. Right, so when we set out a direction, or God gives us a direction, and we start moving towards a goal, um, oftentimes the roadblocks we encounter. They, we, we don't hit them all at once. We hit them one at a time. They start stacking up and becoming overwhelming. And, and this is what we see in the Nehemiah story. We decided to sort of jumpstart this year by unpacking this idea of subtraction through the lens of the story of Nehemiah, which is this book in the, New, in the Old Testament. And it's about this guy who is the cupbearer to the king. And he hears that the walls of his sacred city have been torn down, its gates burnt out, And this is a big deal to them because Jerusalem is the place where the temple is and all of life revolves around the temple for ancient Jews. And so when he hears this, he is heartbroken and he automatically instantly feels like he needs to do something about it. Like he knows this because he needs to act on it. And so he asks the foreign king that he serves if he can slip away and investigate this opportunity to figure out what needs to be done and if he's the man to do it. And he comes back. And he's like, I feel God is asking me to prioritize this project for a season. And the king says, yes, you can go away and do that thing. But as soon as he starts the project, which is what we're gonna pick up today, he faces opposition. As soon as he determines his focus, right? As soon as he's like, I finally, some of you are like, if I could just figure out what God wants me to do, everything would be easy. That's not when things get easy. Sometimes it's when things get harder, and as soon as he figures out what God is asking him to do, and as soon as he decides he's going to do it, that's the moment when distraction and temptation enter the story. And uh, we're going to pick it up here in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. It says this. He just started the work. Sanballat. What a great name. Somebody named their kid that. Sandballot was angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked us, saying in front of his friends and the Samaritan officers, what do these poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can just build the wall in a day by offering a few sacrifices? They think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap? And then Tobiah the Amorite, who was with him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse even if a fox walked along the top of it. And it's important for you guys to know, that line killed. Okay, it crushed. These people thought it was the funniest thing. Everyone's laughing, and they're like, oh, that Tobiah. Oh, man, he gets it. Um, So here's what you need to know about your story. What happened to Nehemiah is going to happen to you. right? When you feel God point you in a particular direction, and you make your move, saying no to other things to focus on this thing that God has put in front of you, is going to solicit opposition in your life. And I think this is the sort of the first stage of opposition that we encounter is regret, right? We make the decision and we experience regret. And this is where others question you and even you question you, right? You, 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 you start hearing things either from the outside or even sometimes from the inside, like who, who do you think you are to try and do this thing? You're not the kind of person who does this. Why did you even commit to this? What, like, what if you can't pull it off? What if you fail? What if you embarrass yourself? Is this, even, is this even sustainable? Sure, you got it going, but are you gonna be able to keep it up? Because you're never really gonna change, so you might as well give up now. And this is sort of, the first thing that happens is there's people standing around who are just like, this is ridiculous. Why are you even doing this? And then those thoughts begin to enter Nehemiah's mind, and he begins to wonder the same thing. This is a crazy big thing that God has asked me to do. I don't really have any experience in this area. What business do I have doing this? Did I make the wrong decision? And there's regret for moving in the right direction. But the story continues from here. It says when Sanballat... And Tobiah, those rebel rousers, always up to no good. And the Arabs and Amorites and ashdodites some of these names are just feeling made up now, heard that the work was going ahead and the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired. They were furious and they all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. And this is what I would consider to be the second stage of opposition we all face when we pick a goal to go after is resistance. Right And resistance is where you encounter the uncomfortable complications of change. This is more than just self-doubt. Self-doubt is really just a bunch of thoughts, but resistance is where you have evidence, right? You run into real world obstacles. It's, it's, it's happening not as fast as you hoped. God is like, go in this direction. And you're like, I'm, I've been going in that direction. It's not paying off yet. And we start to feel frustrated. People aren't as supportive as you hoped they were gonna be. Some people are actively like plotting against you, right? They're spreading rumors. They're rooting for you to fail. They're stacking resources and influence against you. And it's not in your head because you can actually point to situations in which this is actually happening to you. And you're realizing like, oh, this is not going to be easy at all. It's gonna cost me the story goes on to say this in verse 10. Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired, and there is so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves, and our enemies will come from all directions and attack us. Now, this is different, right? because first of all, the doubt comes from the inside. Then the obstacles come from the Outside and now the people that Nehemiah has actually allied himself with are now griping too. Don't you love it when the people who are supposed to be on your side are just like, maybe we can't do it. Why did you make us start this? This is dumb. And you're like, you were we planned this together? And they're like, this is all you. You know what I mean? I don't want any part of this. You kind of strung me along. I didn't even want to. And this is, I think, the third stage of opposition, which is what I call repercussions. This is where you experience the consequences of consistent follow through. And a lot of times we think like just consistent follow through in one direction of life, like going after what God is calling us to during this season is all going to work out good because we're doing what God wants us to do. But here's the reality. When, when, when you go in one direction, when you say yes to one thing, it requires automatic no's to other things. And those no's affect other people and they don't always enjoy that. And sometimes they push back. The way you've reorganized your life is gonna impact other people in ways that inconvenience them. And some people who don't like your decision may just like avoid you altogether. And you may start to feel guilty over all the things that you're not doing anymore. And you're starting to wonder like, man, is the cost of this to? Hi. And this is why it's really helpful to know what God has called you to do during this season, because when the waves of doubt come, you got to know why you started the journey in the first place. The story goes on to say this. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall. I stationed the people to stand guard by families, armed with swords, spears, and bows. I looked over the situation and I called together the rest of the people and I said, Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your families and your homes. And then we all return to our work on the wall. I love this, like the way this story kind of like goes because it's like he gives him this inspiring speech and it doesn't say, and then everything was smooth and everything worked out after that. He was just like, it was at that moment that we just went back to work. And we kept doing the same thing over and over and over again because we knew it was going to pay off and we knew why we were doing it. And this leads to the fourth stage of opposition, which is actually one of two things. If we're just looking at it from an opposition standpoint, it's resignation, right, where you just give up. But it doesn't have to go that way because we can push this other way, this Nehemiah way, which is reinforcement, And this is where you refocus on your why and you reinforce your existing effort. And I gotta tell you, if you're going after something God has put on your heart for this season, uh, option two is better. Much, much better. Reminding yourself, why did I choose this course of action? Why does it inspire me? Why am I actually realistically equipped to do this with God's help? Why is this going to bring a positive impact on the world around me? And you double the efforts instead of backing down. And you make a plan to, not to ignore the regret, not to ignore the resistance or the repercussions, but to address those things. In other words, you continue to confidently say no to distractions, because I gotta tell you, building a better tomorrow requires you to have a system for saying no today. And most of us have never even thought about that. Now, I know for some of you, you you're reading this and you're just like, that doesn't even sound Christian. I don't even, are we supposed to say yes to everything? Be nice to everyone, Do everything anyone asks us to do? But I gotta tell you, this might be the most Christian thing ever. Learning to appropriately say No, and some of you are still just like, I thought we were just, this is blowing my mind. Like, I thought we were just supposed to love people. You are, starting with yourself. Jesus famously said this in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. I'm gonna read from the message. It says this, love God with all your passion, prayer, and intelligence, and love others as well as you love yourself. And let me tell you something, you already do. You already love others as well as you love yourself, which is why some of you are not very good at loving others because you do not love yourself well. Some of you are like, me? I don't even like me. And other people are getting that vibe from you too. One is necessary for the other. This is why Jesus ties them together. Like this thing that Jesus is saying is less an edict than an explanation He's not saying, like, you know, um, man, you should uh, love other people as well as you love yourself. He's just saying, you are always going to love other people as well as you love yourself, which ought to tell you why you need to prioritize receiving and experiencing and focusing on the love of God, which enables you to actually have love for yourself, which results in you being able to channel that love and to care for other people. And the truth is, you will only ever be able to care for others to the extent you take care of yourself. Which is why if this is not one of the priorities in your new year, it really ought to be. And you do this by putting what God is asking of you in this season first and saying no to whatever else is in the way. Jesus says this elsewhere. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. In other words, what he's saying is this. Just do what God is asking you to do. Align your life with the way of Jesus, and God will take care of the rest. What about this? Well, I'm not really asking you to do that. I'm asking you to focus on this. And if you do that thing that I'm asking you to do, I'll take care of the rest. And it's when we try and do God's job that things go sideways. So how do we do this? A healthy no calmly, confidently, and clearly communicates, this is who I am. This is what I value. This is what I will and won't do. This is how I'm choosing to live my life. You don't have to be happy about my boundaries, but I ask that you honor them. This is the essence behind saying a healthy no. And some of you are like, that is so great, but how, but how do you do that? How? And let's just look at the life of Jesus. How did Jesus say no? Let me just give you, I'll give you one example, okay? Matthew chapter 16, verse 23 in the King James. Get thee behind me, Satan! Thou art an offense unto me! Okay, so that's not your best option, okay? Don't do it that way to like your boss or your mother-in-law, okay? This is not. What are you guys doing for Christmas? You know, I thought maybe you could come. I thought we were going to stay here. Get thee behind me, Satan! Your wife is going to be unhappy with you. Don't go this route. But here's why I bring this up, even though it's like, let's maybe not do this in every situation. But the point is that none of us would say that Jesus isn't loving or kind, or compassionate, or others focused. But he also had no problem saying no to distractions, even when they were good things from good people with good intentions. The context of Jesus saying this is Peter, one of the closest people to his life. And Jesus is saying like, I am chosen to go to the cross and pay for the sins of humanity. And Peter's like, no, 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 you shouldn't die. And this is why he's just like, you're my friend. And he confronts him strongly because they have a lot of relationship there. And he's like, you are in the way of what God is calling me to do. I love you too much to not say no in this situation because you are in the way. You're, gonna not, you're not being my friend by actually standing between me and what God has called me to be. So let me give you some really practical tools. Other than get thee behind me, Satan, here's some maybe better options for you, okay? Um, the first thing is this, to trade your reactionary yes for a reflective, let me think about it, okay? Parents have been using this strategy <laughs> since there were parents. Mom, can we do this? You know what? Let me think about it. And here's why this is important, because if you have the impulse to just say yes right away to people, this buys you distance to think and reflect and actually invite other people into the conversation to figure out if you even have the bandwidth to do it and then to give an answer from a distance. Um, Often, and you'll notice if you try and like set up something with me, you're like, hey, we should do this. And I'm like, we should. Um, You know what? Let me check my schedule and I will get back with you because I triple and quadruple book myself all the time. This is why if you get a meeting invite from me, don't trust it. I, like, my wife, if my wife sets up plans with you, I will be there, okay? If my assistant sets up a meeting between us, it's going to happen, okay? But this is why I go with them, because I just want to be like, yes, 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 to all the people, and I'm going to get myself in trouble. And so I, I just give yourself some room to actually reflect before you respond. The second thing I would suggest is this, calculate the complete cost of yes. Maybe you've noticed this, it's easy to commit, It's just like, yeah, sure, I'll be there. It's so painless. You know what's hard? Follow through. And we do this all the time, right? We're just like, yeah, that sounds great. And then it gets up to it and we're like, oh, man, I don't want to. It's going to be a lot. We want to assume when we're saying yes that everything's going to be way easier than it really is. And then it gets down to it, and you're like, okay, actually, to do this, I'm going to have to, I need this much gas. i got to drive there. I'm going to have to cancel this appointment. This thing is not going to happen. I'm going to have to go there. I'm going to be tired, and then I'm going to have to come back. Where am I going to get a shower between this thing and that? It's not even making any sense. We haven't really thought through what it's actually going to cost us, how hard the the thing that we've committed to is going to be, and actually what it's going to cost us in some other area of our life. Because, again, saying yes one place means saying no somewhere else. And sometimes we haven't really thought that through before we say, yes, we need a moment to pause and reflect. The third suggestion is this, to insulate your emotions. Most people, and this is gonna blow some of your minds, most people who ask you to do things are not trying to manipulate you. And some of us, this is our assumption, right? We don't trust nobody. Somebody's like, hey, would you have to do this? What are you plotting against me for? What's going on? Why y'all trying to use and abuse my time? And it's like, oh, I was just asking you an innocent question. Don't emotionally respond to the people around you as if every question they ask you is an attack on you. Because not only will people stop asking you things, they won't want to be around you because you got some funky energy in your life. <laughs> just be calm and clear and be prepared for the person to be bummed out. It's okay for somebody to be bummed out when you tell them no, like, oh, man, I, can't, I wanted that to happen. And it's like, that's okay. I get it. Number four is this. Point to the purposeful yes this no protects. The best reason um, not to do something is because you've already chosen to do something that is of a bigger priority to you right now at this moment. And when you remind yourself of what that is, just like Nehemiah does in the story, of like, don't you remember God who is good and gracious who is with us, who has called us, who is always, and he asked us to do this thing, and he said, you step out and you do your part and I'll do my part, and we said, what about this? And he's like, I got that. You focus on what I asked you to do, and we can do this thing. This is why we chose to do this. We wanna see the temple repaired. We wanna see our, our town come back together. We wanna be able to protect the things that are most important, and the people get fired up, and it becomes easier for them to say no because they know what they're saying yes to is so much bigger and more important in that moment. And number five is this say no without saying no. Just make sure they know you said no. Some of you uh, tried to break up with someone three years ago, they still think you're dating. Has <laughs> <laughs> it ever happened to you, right? Like, I remember in high school a few times, I'm like, I, I went and, and had, like, hey, we should get together. We need to meet and not talk. And I, my, I could come away, and my friends would be like, what happened? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not sure. We either just broke up or we're getting married or she hates me or her mom hates me or they want me to be a part of the family. I can't I don't know for sure because it was so confusing and convoluted. Right. So here are a few ideas of maybe how to do this. Um, You could say I'd love to, but I've got this going on and be honest about what is happening other places in your schedule. Um, if, it's, if it's a boss, this is one that I tell my staff actually to use on me when they're trying to say no to me when I'm asking them to do things, is to say like, okay, um, what, what can I take, what would you suggest I take off my schedule so that I can make room for this thing on my schedule? I'll do whatever, I'm here to work for you. I'll do whatever you need done, but I only have a certain amount of hours that you pay me for. So um, I've got like 60 hours worth of stuff. I get paid for 25 What should I take off the list so that I can prioritize what you think is most important and put the decision back on them instead of you losing sleep about it every single night? That doesn't really make sense. Like, another way to say no without saying no is to say, like, oh, man, somebody's like, oh, you should come do this. It's like, oh, you are welcome to do that. I am only really willing to do this. But you gotta. I don't, but you seem really fired up about it. I love that for you. I can't do it, but maybe this person can, and then just give them a name of somebody you don't like. <laughs> Ask that they would they love helping people move. Seriously. <laughs> Call them up, and if they don't answer, just blow their phone up. Trust me. Trust me. <laughs> or you could just let, this is my favorite, just let your automatic out-of-office reply say no for you. You know, I am out of the office, and, I, and, and you, you can even just type it. And pretend it's automatic. And, um, <laughs> but here, here is the key with this, and this is what I think is really important. The key is to be very clear, but do not lie. Okay? Do not lie to people about what your note actually is. And sometimes the reason why we lie about things is because we don't want to own our real reasons. Your real reasons are valid. You don't need to be like, well, you know, my mom just died, so I can't. <laughs> You know, do that. It can. Ju- the real reason can just be like, I'm tired. It has been a long week. I don't have the bandwidth to to do that and actually focus on my kids later this week. And I'm so sorry, but like, I need to prioritize this. You can say the real thing. Now I know there are still probably a few nagging questions hanging on that. You're like, well, you didn't answer this yet. And so I'm just going to answer rapid fire a couple questions. I know you have. The first one being. How do I say no without disappointing anyone? And here's the real answer to that. You can't. You can't. Everyone you love won't love everything you choose, even if you choose well. Some of you just need to internalize this in your soul. Everyone you love won't love everything you choose, even if you choose well. And let's even unpack this. Like, we're afraid of people being disappointed in us. You know what disappointment is? Disappointment is somebody feeling sad because they didn't get what they wanted but we can't always get what we want and that's actually healthy for people to experience and to even take it a step further you are not responsible to make everybody else happy in fact this is not a job you are capable of because you can't make anyone happy they have to choose to be happy themselves the bigger question is, would you rather them be disappointed in you because of you saying, like, that's not going to work for me, or would you rather be disappointed in you because you've committed to things that you do not have the bandwidth to do? The second question I think might be on your minds is, you know, what if, what if I say no and the thing I said no to ends up being awesome? And here's what I want you to know. It probably will be, Okay. Because here's the reality. If you just think about this logically, everyone is missing out on something awesome everywhere else all the time. But fortunately, awesome is omnipresent. I tell this to my kids, uh, so they learned omnipresent at a very young age. (laughs) And what that word means is like, it can exist everywhere all at the same time. And here's what I mean by that. Enjoyment of your life is a decision you make. It's not a set of circumstances you trip and fall into. This is why people who have what you wish you had hate their existence. And people who have nothing close to what you have love their lives. Because it's a choice that we make. And we can make this at any moment in time. You can choose to love what you're doing in this moment instead of being obsessed with what somebody else is doing. You can't be everywhere all at once. You have to make choices. Be confident in your choices and choose to enjoy your life. One of the things that we say at our house a lot is like, I refuse to let anyone take away my ability to enjoy my life. Because they can't, only I can. They can take away options, but they can't take away my ability to just have an awesome moment because I'm in control of that. And I think the third thing we wonder is like, why is saying no so hard? And there could be a lot of reasons for this, but I think the big one is this. You're out of practice. You're out of practice. You get good at saying no by saying no, much like everything else. Because repetition builds resolve, right? Sticking up for yourself, staying focused, and saying no are easier to do the more you do them. And some of you just need more practice. You're like, when am I gonna get good at saying no? When you start saying no, like everything else. Everything you instantly start doing you're not gonna be great at on the first day and saying no is in that same category. Nehemiah in his story had to say no to a lot of other things on an ongoing basis in order to stay focused on what God called him to do. And you will too. And so how do you get started? I would suggest that this week you make a list of what needs to go and you start saying no. And not only will this benefit you and benefit what God has called you to do but it will benefit the people around you because people are watching. If you're a parent, you have kids, they're watching. And their ability to get confident in saying no in some ways is gonna be connected to you modeling how to say no well. Like the people who work around you who have never seen someone stick up to authority in a polite way that honored themselves in the moment, like they're gonna take note of what you're doing. You serving God and learning to say no appropriately will actually empower the people around you to live the life they wanna live too. There's a lot at stake when it comes to owning your story. You are not the only person that benefits. And this is part of how we make an impact on the world. We do what God is asking of us. And we trust that he's gonna use it to impact the world around us. And I wanna pray this into your life today, that this would be a season where because you've chosen the best yes for your life at this moment, that you have the courage to say no to whatever is in the way and stay focused on what God has asked of you. Would you bow your heads across this room? I just wanna pray this into your lives today. God, thank you for the life that you give us, for the love that you gift us with. And God, thank you for all the ways that you show us how to live this life well, how to get the most out of life, how to live life to the full. And God, I pray that in this season that we would learn to say no to the things that are standing between us and what you have called us to in this season. For some of us, that's putting a priority on our kids or our marriage. Some of us, it's getting things financially in order. Some of us, it is our health. Some of us, it is just carving out time to put church and reading your word and spending time with you consistently to get our head focused on what is right and true and good. God, whatever it is that you have called us to put first in our life in this season, God, give us the power and the desire to follow you in this way. And God, as we do, may we see incremental improvement in our lives, in the lives of the people around us. God, may this be a group of people who is good at saying yes and even better at saying no. To say yes only once or twice to the biggest things that matter right now and to say no to all of the many things that are in the way the good things and the bad things, the distractions, the temptations, the obstacles. God, may we push through and push past them all with you on our side.
0: In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org slash corona, or follow us on social media at South Hills Corona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, you can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org slash give and selecting the Corona Campus. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless.